Well, I want to go ahead and move into the message this morning. We kicked off this series, Restart, last week. And like some of you, I grew up in a family because I've got smoke in my hair. So I'm, I'm of the age, I grew up in a family with a TV that had a, a tube. And like some of you know what I'm talking about. It's like a big giant box that weighed about 893 pounds. And a, a legitimate pa- a repair method for these kinds of TVs, especially when I was young, uh, if the TV started acting up, a, a legitimate repair method was to just go up and give it a solid smack, like right on the side. And it's like problem solved. And those of you over a certain age, you know what I'm talking about. And I might add, this was also one of the primary methods for parenting. Back then, you know, you start acting up, you got a solid whack on the side, problem solved. Uh, but that method doesn't really apply to things like smart TVs. I don't recommend it. Uh, commuter, uh, com- computers, smartphones, equipment that has what utilizes what's called ready access memory or RAM. And yet sometimes things with RAM begin to slow down and they begin to not work right. They begin glitching or they begin to lock up or even crash. And you may not know this, but the number one fix for any of that is actually to restart the device. In fact, ironically, our furnace wasn't working right this morning, and I played with the controls, and I actually reset our thermostat, and actually powered down the entire house and powered it back up, and boom, it started working. So restarting works on a lot of things. And uh, with, when it comes to RAM, basically what happens, this is going to be more info than you need, but when you restart, basically all the fragments of previously running programs or apps, they're purged, current, uh, currently open apps are killed, and then when the phone or the device restarts, the RAM is essentially cleaned. It's basically cleaned. You start with a fresh, clean slate. And as a result, things are snappier, things load quicker, you can switch between apps Quick, uh, quicker, things launch quicker. It's just amazing how much smoother things run after a restart. And for most of us, like we hear that and we think, okay, I would have liked to request that for January 1, 2021, because my life in 2020 was just full of glitches and stalls and system failures. And it's like the year itself just kept crashing and never going back to smooth running. It just didn't. And I kind of need a life restart. And even though we know in our mind that it could never be that simple, many of us came into 2021 kind of hoping for something like that. So the title of the series is just simply called Restart. And yes, it's more complicated than simply clicking on or tapping a button, but it's needed because there's areas of our life where the things just aren't the way they should be. They're not operating the way they should be. And maybe we feel that way about our whole life, like we just need a restart. And some of what we face in 2020, if we're honest, in our personal lives, was not the result of COVID or the challenges that came. The fact is, there's challenges last year that we face, and maybe it just surfaced or just amplified problems that were already there. Maybe for some of us, it became a distraction to just justify ignoring maybe some deeper things that we need to address. And just like we've all had had this experience where we need to restart a device that wasn't working as it should, there's a sense in which we need to pause and take the opportunity of doing a restart with our life. And as corny as I'm trying to not make it sound to like purge our life of some of the clutter and fragments of previously running life apps in our life and just basically push pause. Push pause on currently open apps and just start fresh. And that's why last week that I talked about that there are some things for you and for me 
that you can and you will do in 2021, but what is that one thing that if nothing else gets done or you don't accomplish anything else, this one thing has to get done? And hopefully you identified that wall or that one thing, and uh, you owe it to yourself if you missed last week to go back and listen to that message. Because for things to change, for things to improve in your life, for that one thing, as well as all the areas of your life and in your faith and in the areas of life that matter most, for you to create positive change in the relationships that matter most to you, to in your relationships, your finances, or maybe to break that secret habit or that secret addiction or a pattern of just self-sabotaging behavior that you have in your life, to avoid getting to the end of 2021 and looking back and realizing that nothing's changed or potentially even got worse, it's going to require something like a restart in your life, which is simple and fast when it comes to tech equipment, but when it comes to our life, while it is rarely fast, it is not as complicated as we think it might be. And with God's help, and for some of us, professional counseling, there is a way that we can do it, to where on the other side, things are better. In fact, they're better than we could have asked or imagined, and I want that for each and every one of you. And the reason that I'm so excited about this series is that I've had the front row seat to watching lots and lots of people through the years finally reach the point where they needed to restart in all kinds of areas of life, and this includes me. And it just breaks my heart to see some of the mistakes that we make and our refusal to do what needs to be done. But if we're, we're honest, we realize that it's always easier to watch somebody else's life and to know what they should do, right? I mean, we've all had this experience. When, and and when, when you, you do what I do, you see it a lot. And the frustrating thing is that we learn from our mistakes in the areas of life that matter least. So, for example, texting. I mean, remember when you started texting? Uh, I remember some years ago, I sent, uh, sent my wife, Shauna, a text that simply said, Hey, hot pants, how's your day going? And after I hit send, I realized too late that the woman that I sent it to was not my wife. And then my fat thumbs, like, that was for my wife. That was for my wife. I'm so sorry. Uh, or the one time Sean and I, we were texting back and forth, just kind of some flirtatious things. It started to begin to bypass PG-13. And suddenly a text popped up, bubble, that says, hey, you know I'm in this group text, right? And it was my son. He's like, he did not appreciate that at all. Uh, so you learn. You learn to double check the names before you click send. And there are mistakes that you make and I make in my life. It's just like, you know what? You make it once or twice, and you learn your lesson. But unfortunately, we tend to make mistakes and re repeat mistakes in the areas of life that matter most, in the areas of finances, in the areas of relationships, things that we do with our kids, things that we do or work at school. And after repeating the same mistake time after time and suffering same, the same consequences, we eventually ask that all-important question, when will I learn? And this is a really important question, and the reason it's important is because of one word, I. When will I learn? The common denominator in all of your mistakes is you. And you think about it, you were there for every single one of your greatest mistakes, right? I mean, think about it, you were there for every single one of your greatest regrets. And every one of those moments or seasons from last year or the year before that or the year before that, you were there. And for some reason, you and I, we just simply don't learn as quickly in the areas of life that matter most, which is huge. 
It's the re- one of the key reasons that I got into full-time ministry and started preaching and teaching. I've done it for over 25 years now because I know from personal first-hand experience that learning and applying the teachings of Jesus and His followers makes your life better and it makes you better at life. And I've seen what happens when it goes beyond just my effort or just beyond your effort. And you actually experience the active work of God in your life through His Holy Spirit and to make those applications possible and to produce positive transformation in your life in the areas of life that matter most. But there are times that I get into dark moments and I'm not looking for any pity. But there are times I just seriously wonder if preaching and teaching makes any difference. Am I just flapping my gums, wasting my time and yours, getting up here online week after week? Am I just talking to myself? And you know what this feels like. It's because all of you, you've given good advice to somebody else. And you think that's really good advice. And then they just don't take it. They just don't listen. And it's just like you, you go, go uh, like, hey, you should really read this. And they don't. Or you say, hey, I'd like to, you to talk to this person or talk to these people. They've gone through something really similar to what you've gone through. And they just never follow through. Or they just tell you what you want to hear to get, the, get you off their back. But they never follow through. And, and you just watch people make mistakes and bad decisions unnecessarily. And the fact is that life, ah, see, this is why I shouldn't run things. Life has enough of unavoidable pain. Meaning even if every one of your decisions was perfect, if every one of your decisions was perfect, you're still going to have pain and disappointment in your life. So why in the world would you add more pain to a somewhat painful existence? When, when I see people around me make unnecessarily bad decisions, financially, relationally, personally, academically, sexually, it, it kind of breaks my heart. Because I think that pain could have been Avoided, just like it could have been avoided at times in my own life. So to help us, we're going to learn three crucial things from Scripture that are just absolutely necessary if you want your future to be better, and if you better than your past, and in some area or multiple areas of your life. And today I, I want to quickly explore, explore three myths, just three assumptions that I think we all make subconsciously. And if, to look ahead, as we look ahead to our short and our long-term future, and if you're not aware of the assumptions that you make, that they will continue to drive your decisions. And then after identifying these myths, I'm going to give you just one verse of Scripture. So if the sermon sounds like more just like a self-help counseling thing, just hang on. I just want to make sure that we're on the same page before we move forward. So these three myths drive us into bad decisions. Again, financially, relationally, professionally, academically, sexually, with our physical health, And myth one is this, the experience myth. The experience makes me wiser. We think of because because of what I've experienced, because of what what I've gone through, I'm wiser for it. But here's what I've discovered in my 52 years of life. Experience doesn't make you wiser. It makes you older. Okay, it makes you more tired. It makes you poorer. It makes you less healthy. It makes you madder. It makes you lonelier. It makes you more guarded or even jaded. Uh, I was getting my haircut a couple weeks ago, and I've started going to the same person outside of Wichita and getting, uh, getting to know her, and she's been opening up. She's, she has kids, just went through a very ugly divorce, and she said, one thing is for sure, I am never getting married again because I've had this experience, so I'm wiser. I'm going to erect walls. And, and this is common, and it's even understandable. 
But what most of us know is erecting walls is just going to create a whole other set of challenges because experience alone does not make you wiser. And the reason this is such a big deal and, and why people go, oh, I don't need to read or listen to that. I don't need to get counseling. I don't need to learn or get advice. I, I, won't, even, I won't ever repeat that mistake because of what I have experienced. So I'm wiser. But you need to know that experience alone doesn't make you any more prepared to do things better the next time around. This is the key. That evaluated experience, evaluated experience is what makes you wiser. And you know this is true because you've watched other people. Seeing it in the mirror can be so difficult, right? I mean, you, you've got it all figured out, but you see it in other people. You've watched other friends or family members or coworkers. Other people make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And, and you just think, you know what? They, they haven't learned. Like they never learned anything from their past, previous experience. And they were there the entire time because evaluated experience is a game changer and it sets you up for success in the future. So consequently, we're going to do a little evaluation over the next three weeks. The other myth is this, the know better myth. Since I know better, I'll do better. We think because I know the difference between right and wrong, I'll automatically do the right thing. Or we think that we have the strength or the discipline to actually do the right thing. And yet we know the know better, that no better does not necessarily equal do better. I mean, we've seen it, again, in others. We've seen it, when we're honest, we've seen it in ourselves. This is why when you're a kid, your parents are like, do this, don't do that, and this is right, and this is wrong, and make sure you don't, make sure you don't. And finally, especially when we're teenagers, where do we go? I know, I know, I know. And what we're saying is, Mom, Dad, I know. What we're saying is, I know, therefore I will do. But they knew, they knew that knowing better does not equal do better. That doesn't necessarily equal the ability to do better. That's why for some of you, your last bad relationship reflects your current bad relationship. And it's going to carry into your next relationship. And you keep thinking, what's wrong with these people I'm dating? All men are pigs. All women are crazy. Okay, but a couple of things. One, you picked them. Okay, so you're a bad picker. Or they're picking you and you don't know how to say no, but there's something in you that goes, well, this time will be different from the last time because I've had experience, so I know better. But you've got friends that are coming to you and going, hey, you say you know better, so why are you going out with him? Or why are you going out with her? It's, it's like, well, we're just friends. Like, okay, you said that the last time. Or some of you in your relationship or your marriage, you keep bumping against some of the same problems that you've had for a long time or tension points and the temperature of the relationship is just cool and deep down you know that you're part of the problem. And you know some of the things you should do that would make things better, but instead you tend to make ex keep making excuses as to why you don't do the things that you know you should do. It's like, I, I'm just not wired that way, or I just don't think along those lines, or this was the home that I grew up in, and so this is just the way I was raised. And, and so this is important. Knowing better doesn't mean you'll do better. Or that you have the strength or the power or the self-discipline to do better. And the third myth, this is the, the toughest one, especially for some of us with our particular temperament and the way that we're wired, and that's the time myth. The time is against me. The clock is ticking. Sometimes we say, I need to do something now because I'm not getting any 
younger. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the opportunities are coming and the opportunities are going and I need to do something now because other people my age and my friends and my, my co-workers, like it's happening for them, it's not happening for me, time is wasting. I've got experience, I'm wiser, I know better, I can control outcomes, I'm ready to jump back in, I'm ready to sign back up, I can begin doing this again, this time I am more in control, I'm ready to go out, ready to date, ready to get back out on the market, I will never go back there again, but I gotta get out and get it on because the clock is ticking, time is my enemy. Absolutely false. The reality is, of all the myths, this is the most destructive one. And I could just give you all kinds of examples, but I'll give you just one. In fact, this example actually demonstrates all three of the myths. Several years ago, I had a handful of mentors that I connected with on a regular basis. One of them had been wildly successful in the marketplace. He ran high-level projects for Northrop Grumman all over the world. Uh, Temperament-wise, he was a red, he was a lion, he was a bull. Uh, he was always going 100 miles an hour. But as successful as he had been in the marketplace, his relationships personally had been horrible. Uh, when, I came, when he came into my life, he was on his third marriage. And it was before his third marriage that he became a Christ follower. But he told me that in the very beginning, he got married very young. And at first it was great, but before long, it was a train wreck. So he got divorced. And because now he had experience and was wiser, and I know better, so I'll do better, and I'm not getting any younger, I'm going to be out of my prime soon, he got right back out into the dating market. And this time, he said he picked a woman completely different from his first wife. Because obviously, I just picked the wrong type of person the first time around. He picked somebody totally different. It was a whirlwind romance. Before long, they were married. But about a year into the marriage, they began experiencing some of the very same problems that he experienced in the first marriage with somebody completely opposite from his current wife. Then he began to do some just hard, honest reflection, self-evaluation. He said, it hit me. The common denominator was me. And after that marriage imploded, he realized evaluated experience is what makes you wiser. And knowing better doesn't mean you, that you'll do better. So he, he hit restart. He took extended time to do some soul searching, uh, got some counseling. He found faith in Jesus. He began to get serious about his relationship with God. And as driven as he was, he realized that time is your friend and not your enemy. And this is so important especially if you've gone through something difficult or painful in your life because of a decision that you made or somebody else made for you that was out of your control. The truth is that when you've gone through something difficult, whether it's a break in a relationship, a moral failure, whether it was yours or somebody close to you that you trusted, a financial loss, an educational or a career setback, you're a little bit out of balance. And before you make a big decision in your life, you need to find that balance. And after something difficult or painful, you can get a little anger in you. you, you have, you're carrying a little bit of resentment, maybe a bit of jealousy. You're carrying stuff that you can't even see because it's just underneath the layers. So consequently, you're off balance and you're still dealing with pain. And something we all know is that when you're in pain physically, you become very self-absorbed. And when you're in pain emotionally, same thing. You become very self-absorbed. It's just the nature of pain. If you are someone you know, for example, uh, suffers with migraines, then you understand 
When a person that gets migraines is in the middle of the episode, it's like the last thing you want was, is for someone to engage you in conversation or ask you a difficult, difficult question or ask you to do something for them. Why? Well, it isn't because you don't love or care about those people. It's just that when you're in pain, you become self-absorbed. You just can't help it. That's the nature of pain. It's true of all physical pain and emotional pain is just the same. We're just not as aware of it. And you've seen this because you've had some friends that have gone through something tough in their life. And it's like every time you have a conversation with them, that tough thing comes up in their life. Or maybe you've been in a small group with somebody going through a really tough thing. It's like every time the group gets together, they talk about that tough thing. And afterwards, you're like, man, I just love my group. This was great. And it's like, well, yeah, because you talked for 45 minutes about your thing. And it's like, it's so great for you. But, and, and, but here's the thing. I'm we need people. We need people that can just walk, enter into our pain and walk with us and walk through it with us and let us tell our same story over and over again. That's, that's part of the healing process. But my point is that self-absorbed people make self-absorbed decisions. We can't help it. But when you're healthy, you have clarity. When, when you have clarity, you make better decisions. And until you have clarity, you have no business making an important decision because it takes time. And if, if you'll press pause, if you'll press restart and wait long enough with a little bit of time, you'll be able to hear things that right now you can't hear. And you'll be able to hear from certain people, maybe people in your life right in that moment, maybe right now that are trying to, to speak some truth, they're doing their best to speak some truth in your life, but you're not able to hear them right now, but with some time, there will be some people you'll be able to listen to. Some people are trying to do that because there are some things that you need to be able to hear. Now, some would say, I, I'm, not, I'm sure this is true for everyone else, that, you know, time is their friend, it feels like your enemy, you know, but, you know, that's everybody else. My situation is different. Now, this might hurt your feelings a little bit, but you need to know. Your circumstances may feel unique, but you're not. Okay? You're not, and neither are your circumstances. In fact, after you hear enough stories, you begin to realize that, that your challenges or your circumstances just aren't all that unique. It's just your version, your version of a story that's been lived out thousands and thousands of times before, but because you're in the middle of it, and you're feeling, you're feeling the emotion of it, you're feeling the pain and you feel so isolated. You feel like no one else could possibly understand what I am going through. And you need to know that's just not true. It's just not true. And before you move ahead in this new year, if you want this year to be better than last year, then you need to pause. You need to wait. You need to take the time to evaluate and try to understand so that you don't end up getting yourself into another set of painful circumstances that could have been avoided. Now, if you're thinking, okay, is this just a self-help talk? If, is he ever going to get the Bible? Um, I am. And in fact, the amazing thing, the amazing thing is when you look at the characters and the narratives of both the Old and the New Testaments, what you see consistently is this, that the people that God uses in significant ways, whose stories are recorded in the Old and the New Testaments, nearly every single one of them had a restart. Every one of them had a first time that got all kinds of jacked up and a failure. There was a restart and they came back a second time. 
And possibly the most famous is Moses, who is a baby. He gets rescued and adopted into the household of Pharaoh, but he realizes, you know what? I may walk like an Egyptian. I may talk like an Egyptian, but I am not an Egyptian. I am a Hebrew. So he decides, I need to do something about this Hebrew slavery. He gets into a fight. He kills a guy. Then he has to flee the country. Time passes. He, had, he comes back a second time, but this time God is calling the shots. God is leading him, and he ends up the Savior of Israel. Uh, there was a first time, and then there was a second chance. Then there's David, the same thing. He's anointed to be the king over Israel. Then he goes to live with Saul, who is the king of Israel. He's living in the palace. He's got all this stuff going on. And then Saul gets jealous, and David has to go on the run. And then there's an interval of time. And in God's timing, and on God's terms, not David's, David comes back as the king. And there are several other Old Testament examples. Uh, in, in, uh, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament is probably the best example in the New Testament. I mean, the, the Apostle Paul is the best religious person ever. He's the best Pharisee that's ever lived. He is completely devoted to God. He chooses to never get married, which was a big deal in his culture. He's devoted himself entirely to God. And he decides in round one that he's going to defend God and defend God's honor by getting rid of these silly Christians by any means possible. And like an old TV, God gives him a whack. He knocks him off his mule. A restart for Paul. Paul disappears. And after a time of evaluating and seeking understanding, he reappears serving God in a different way. And he becomes famous. And he becomes the Apostle Paul that we know the second time around. And there's story after story, but here's the part of the stories that you're going to hate. In every single instance, in the Old and the New Testament, where there was a first round and second round, in between, there was an interval of years. For Moses, it was 40 years. It was 40 years before round two. It's like, okay, that's encouraging. Okay, for David, a little better. There's an interval between 8 and 12 years between when he has to go on the run and when he comes back to keep be king. For the Apostle Paul, in one instance, he went away for 14 years before he shows back up to be, the, be a man who would, again, literally change the world. In fact, I would go so far as to say he's the reason that we're here this morning because of his church planning all over the Mediterranean rim to Gentiles like you and like me. And something that I don't want us to miss, that not only was there a gap of time, but two things emerged during, in these people's lives that I want to see happen in your life. That they come out the other side with two things. They come out the other side with a divine sense of destiny and abide, an abiding sense of humility. That when they show back up, it's like God is up to something. God is up to something that I get to be a part of. He's doing something in me. He's doing something through me. And they come back with a sense of humility that no matter what I accomplish, whatever God accomplishes in or through me, I'm never going to become arrogant or prideful because it's all from Him. And here's what I've seen again and again and what I've personally had to learn the hard way. Uh, people who waited and allowed God to prepare them for what was next, to prepare them and work in them for what was next versus people who said, hey, time's wasting, I've got to jump in, got to go, I know better, so I'll do better. Here's what I've seen. There's always more time in the in-between than what they're comfortable with. But when they don't give in, 
when they don't give in to the internal pressure and they take time to examine and evaluate and to become more prepared and to give room for God to do what only God can do. Like we saw in Nehemiah last week, that they come to the other side and there's a sense of that God did this. I couldn't even, even imagine this. God has worked in my life. God's up to something in me. God has a purpose for my life. In fact, some people will go so far as I will that they'll say things like, you know what, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. I mean, it was hard. It was difficult. But I wouldn't trade that experience because of what I learned in round one. I was so angry. I was such a victim. I was devastated. But I'm telling you, what I learned, what I took away, I am such a better person. I feel like God has something for me. And they emerge from those situations where they handle them, when they handle them well with a sense of destiny and an abiding humility because they know had they simply gone with their heart and how they felt in the moment, things would have gone a very different direction. And just so you know that this is more than just book knowledge for me. It's more than just faith for faith's sake or belief for believing's sake that it isn't practical uh, my wife, Shauna, will affirm this, that around the first half of our marriage, there were moments, even seasons, where, like, forget love, we didn't like each other. In fact, I was fairly convinced that she was going to smother me in my sleep, and I would have deserved it. And so, like, we didn't, not only did we not love each other, we didn't like each other. We didn't want to be in the same state with each other, let alone the same bed. bed. And there were times it was just so bad that we just felt trapped as, as Jesus followers, and especially once we had kids, we felt convicted that this divorce just wasn't an option for us as much as we may have wanted it it wasn't an option and what we felt like doing was going you know what i've had enough i'm done i'm i'm out like you stay single the rest of your life but you know what i'm going to upgrade marry somebody completely opposite start over but instead but instead of we both decided that in spite of what we think or what we feel or that fear of feeling trapped in some loveless relationship the rest of our lives, in spite of the fact that it felt impossible to see what good could come our way, in spite of that, we were going to trust that doing things God's way was our best shot. And that to actually love each other like Jesus called us to love each other and embracing that time is our frame, uh, a friend, that we're going to take the time to evaluate, to discover with the help of counselors, discover what is in each of us that got us to this point. And we face that more than just once in those early years. And, in, and, and each time, just by sacking up and hitting restart, rather than bailing, we came out on the other side with a love and a connection more deeply felt. On the other side, God proved faithful because we were willing to do our part and then trust God to do His part by submitting to Him and embracing the change doesn't happen overnight. But you stay the course. And now coming up on 33 years in, we just share a depth of love and a connection and passion and friendship beyond anything we could have asked or imagined, which is what the New Testament promises. And it doesn't matter if we're in grungy sweats binge-watching Chuck on Amazon Prime or exploring the Nepali coast in a helicopter or hiking in the Tetons of Wyoming. We just love being together. Now, that's just one, one personal example in one category of life. And the fact is that for all of us, life is just messy. Life is just messy. And as we talked about last week, for every one of us, there again is that, that one thing in 2021 
that we need to get laser focused on and go after so that we can do it fresh and differently. We need to restart. But really, there's multiple areas that we go after. And today, I just want to leave you with a verse. It comes from the Apostle Paul who dragged around a past that was so embarrassing and so painful that it was difficult for him to be around other Christians because all the Christians knew what he had done for some of them to his fam- their family members. And, and there was nothing that he could do to make his past go away. And yet God, he saw God leverage that and actually use his past to set him up for what he was to do in the future. So with all that in mind, he writes to some Christians in Rome saying, and we know that we're confident. We know that in all things, that in all circumstances, no matter what you've done, no matter what was in your past, no matter what was done to you, that in all things, God works. And He works for the good. Meaning that if you're willing to take a breath and hit the pause button and maybe back off a little bit, decide, hey, just because I have an experience doesn't mean that I've learned anything. Just because I know better doesn't mean I'll necessarily do better. He says that God will work through and even in that segment or that chapter or that part of your life or that weekend or that experience in your life, you just look back and you regret You look back and you go, I wish I could just make that go away, that it never happened. The Apostle Paul says, here's what we're, and here's what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks. God wants to use all those things. Because if if you don't allow God to use those things, you're going to end up seeing those things coming back to haunt you. But if you respond in a way where you allow God to use those things from your past, all those things will potentially benefit you and someone else that shares a very similar story, a very similar experience, and they need to know they're not alone, just like you need that. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. And in this context, it's those who have said, God, I want your way more than my way. God, I love you. God, I love you, which means that I recognize that you're God and I'm not. You're Lord and I'm not. Your will is more important than my will. He says, for those who love God, God works and can use and redeem and bring value to anything to those that love God. And here's how he completes what he says. And who have been called according to his purpose. And this is just so huge. And I've seen it. Some of you have seen it. Some of you don't believe it, but I'm just telling you. God can leverage purpose out of anything that you invite him into. But if you rush if you just plow on into February of 2021 and into the year, if you think you've learned all the lessons, if you think, you know, there's nothing that I need to evaluate, you will simply have another round that reflects the last round. And whether it was last year or whether it's actually been an ongoing thing in your life, and there will be nothing good that comes from it until you finally are willing to submit and surrender, and to restart with the help of your Heavenly Father who loves you. So we're going to talk about how to do that over the next three weeks. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the chance to, to, to know those that came before us. Paul, the Gospel writers, to have Jesus' Jesus's teachings, to be able to apply them to our life so that we might experience what Jesus described as life that is truly life. God, I pray for every one of us, including myself, every single one of us. We've got blind spots. We've got some junk that we're dragging around with us. I pray, God, that you would be relentless 
and giving us courage and hope and focus that you would not let us give in to feeling overwhelmed or a sense of despair. I pray, God, that Jesus said that when he left, he would send a helper, his spirit. And God, I pray for every single one of us that we would feel your spirit leading us and working in us and giving us wisdom and discernment. I pray that for every one of us, Father, that we would experience incredible transformation as we move forward into this new year and that you would make us a light in the lives of the people that we care the most about and the people around us in our lives and in our city. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.